0: Father in heaven, we are so thankful that we can be together this morning. And Father, we are most thankful that we get to be in your presence. And Father, as we come and we look at your word, uh, we ask for your help, that you would help us to understand your word, that you would use it to impact our hearts so that we would not merely be hearers of it but father that we would be doers of your word i do pray that as we um, continue to look at your gospel's work in us father that it would spur us on to love and good deeds that uh, we would be more and more aware of how we can glorify you with our lives and father that that would be um, on our minds that it would be In our hearts as we make decisions that constantly, that would be before us, so that you are glorified. And we thank you for all that you have done in the gospel to make that possible. We are thankful for that as we ask for your help this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so go ahead and uh, take out your charts from last week. And uh, we get to go through the rest of it this morning. Last week we saw uh, the things that were true about us before Christ. What is still true of the unregenerate man? And what were some of those characteristics that described us before God, before, um, God saved us? Go ahead and look at your chart. We're going to do review by shouting back and forth. So just look at that first panel there. What were some things that, that described us before God saved us? We're alienated from God. Yes, thank you. What else? Children of wrath. Children of wrath. Stop and think about that. Of wrath. Deceived. Deceived, yes. A couple more. No hope, absolutely. Enslaved to sin. sin. And what a contrast we're going to see this morning. And then um, we looked at the event of regeneration. We talked about the different um, components and benefits of regeneration. And what were some of those um, event components? Again, go ahead and just shout them out. A new birth. New birth, yes. We are a new creation. What else? Forgiveness. We've received forgiveness. An amazing gift. As we think about who we were in the unregenerate state. What an incredible gift we have. What else? adopted, adopted. Yes. The, old man is the old man is crucified dead um, creation, not satisfied. great And what were some of the what are some of the benefits that we now get to enjoy because of God's salvation work in us? I want to be excited about these and dwelt the by the Holy Spirit. God's very Spirit lives in us. What else? Loved by God. Loved by God. Mm-hmm. We've been sanctified, right? And we're going to talk about that this morning too. Great. One more. No No condemnation. Even though we deserved it, right? Yes. Great. Okay, now um, we're going to go ahead and move on to that middle section. The regenerate man. And this is where a believer is being made righteous. Okay, when we... When um, we were unrighteous, when we were in that first section in the unregenerate state, we were considered unrighteous. You see that at the top. And then at regeneration, we were declared righteous by God. And now right now, we are being made righteous. Okay, It's a process that we're in. I know for me that when I was first um, saved, when I first heard the gospel and believed, I understood that I had received forgiveness from my sins. I knew also that when I died or if I were raptured, that I would one day be with Jesus in heaven. And so I understood that the gospel impacted, that it addressed my past, my old identity as an unregenerate woman, and I understood that the gospel would affect my future, that because of the gospel, I would be with Jesus someday. But it it really took some time for me to understand that the gospel has an enormous impact on my life every day in between. The gospel's work in me that gave me a new identity that took me out of that old unregenerate state um, and made me a new creation in Christ, also gave me a new way to live in Jesus, provided for me a new way to live. And that took some time for it to really sink in what that looks like. Um, And uh, so... That's what we, um, I want to really spend some time talking about this morning as we look at the regenerate man. This is the condition of one who is in Christ. So if you look at the very top of your chart, you'll see those three figures. We just kind of glanced over them real quickly last week. But you, let's look again at those three figures across the top. You'll notice that they change from a mixed gray. It's mostly gray with just a little bit of yellow in it. Uh, and then as you move to the right, it becomes more yellow. And that represents the process of sanctification as we're being conformed into the image of Christ. So when we start off as believers, you see on that, in the figures how the one on the left is a little more gray than yellow. That's what we looked like when we got saved. Okay, And as we grow in Christ, we're becoming more and more like Jesus. We're growing in holiness. We're becoming more and more holy. And we're doing different things with our outer members than what we did before as our inner man is being renewed. So then if you look underneath those figures, you'll see um, that it says, accomplished once and for all by God, but being renewed day by day in progressive sanctification. So last week, under the regeneration event component, we looked at positional sanctification, where God, once and for all, in an event, makes us holy in his sight. He declared us righteous. He declares us holy. But today, we're going to be looking at progressive sanctification. It is a process in which we are being made righteous. Our entrance into the Christian life is an entrance into a process of transformation. It begins at justification and it ends at glorification. So, unlike positional sanctification, which has only one set of fingerprints on it, and whose sets of fingerprints are those? Guys, yes. Here, as we look at progressive sanctification, there are two sets of fingerprints. God's and ours because we participate in this progressive sanctification. We must never be deceived um, into thinking that progressive sanctification doesn't take any effort on our parts. Okay, that is a deception. God is still active. It is still his work, but it's his work in which we participate so I want you to look down just a little bit further in that blue section where it says the regenerate man, and that, and then under that you'll notice in parentheses it says mixed condition. Now, what do we mean by that? I think it's helpful for us to um, think of the this mixed condition from two different vantage points: our position and our practice. Okay, the, our position we have now before God as believers is not one that's mixed or changing, okay? It's the same. Our position before God is perfect. We have been declared righteous. We saw that last week as we looked under the event of regeneration. But when we consider our practice, our walk with Christ, it's not perfect, is it? It's mixed. So though we are perfect in position, we are imperfect in practice. In this regeneration condition, we find ourselves with new desires for Jesus. New desires to obey and to please him, right? But also in this condition, we find that there is still indwelling sin. Now, that indwelling sin no longer rules us as it did in the unregenerate state or in, when we were unregenerate. But it does still reside in us. We are in a weak, sinfully weak, faltering condition. But again, I think it's helpful to keep coming back to this. It, it is unlike the unregenerate man. Because what did we say about the unregenerate man? There was no friction. We just agreed with everything that we did. Now, in the the regenerate state, there is friction within. There is disagreement within. We find that when we sin, there's conviction now, right? And we desire to turn from that sin like we didn't before. That's what we mean by mixed condition. It's a new condition that we never had before, and it is better than what we had before. So when you get discouraged in this mixed condition, I think it's really helpful to go back and to look at this and to see how much better it is now than what we were before. But also... We can't help but think of the future. We know that it's not as good as it's going to be someday when we're with Jesus. It's going to be so much better then. But it is the condition that God has ordained for us right now for his glory. So what is this mixed condition characterized by? Let's look at those first two that are listed on your chart together. The unchanging realities accomplished at regeneration, and the pervading benefits of regeneration—that's what we looked at last week in the the regenerate event, regeneration event—and we just reviewed some of those this morning. And again, just as a reminder, these components are true for for the believer. They're all true for the believer. Every one of them at the moment that regeneration takes place. And they will always be true for the believer. We are a new creation. We have been set apart for God. We have been declared righteous. We have been adopted. The old man has been crucified. And again, we get to enjoy the benefits of regeneration. We are loved by God. We have confident access to God. We are under grace. We have peace with God. And then all of the other um, benefits that you see at the bottom of the chart. And then the next thing you'll see is that we now have in our regenerate state is is our new identity in Christ. Now, Smedley went over these, I think, in such a powerful way in his um, message on August 31st, when he challenged us not to allow um, any divisions to creep into our church body. So those are on the website. If you haven't yet, I would strongly encourage you to go to that message and to print them off. He, He has them all posted on there. Pray them off, put them in your Bible. I've done this, I think, almost every day. I go over these new identity realities. They just fill my heart with such gratitude for who I now am because of Christ. Let me just read a few of them to you. We are under the reign of grace. We are uncondemnable. We are beloved. We are a part of the body of Christ. We are set apart in Christ Jesus. We've been bought with a price. We are God's possession. We have been brought near to God by the blood of Christ. We are fellow heirs, fellow members of the body, and fellow partakers of the promise. We're qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. We are loved by the Lord. We are chosen. We have tasted of the kindness of the Lord. could go on and on and on. We are not our own. And there are so many more. Again, I'd really, really encourage you to print that off and to go over those. We have a new identity. We are no longer what we used to be. And then you'll see that the regenerate man is also characterized by the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This fruit characterizes the lives of those who belong to God. As God's Holy Spirit indwells each, each believer and produces his fruit in them. This fruit is what people should see when they look at our lives. And then the next thing we see um, that the regenerate man is characterized by is good works. Titus 2.14 tells us that Christ gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession who are now zealous for good deeds. Our deeds used to reflect our sinful condition. Whereas now, because of God's work of regeneration, they reflect his work in us. And the result of that work is that we are now careful to engage in good deeds that honor him. And then next we see that the believer has the ability to obey God. God has set us free from slavery to sin. And he has provided everything that we need to live obedient lives. Romans six four tells us, therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ raised from the, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Just as sin characterized our old life. So obedience now characterizes our new life. And again, this is not a self-justifying obedience, as if we could in any way earn our acceptance with God, but rather this is a love-driven obedience. In uh, John 14, 21, Jesus said, Whoever has my commandments and obeys them, he is the one who, what do you remember? loves me if we obey him that is proof of our love in first john four eleven, it tells us that we love because he first loved us so the believer has the ability to obey god and to love god and yet there is still proneness to sin and we see that next on the chart Galatians 5.17 tells us, For the flesh sets its desires against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another. There is a war raging in us, isn't there? The flesh opposes the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in us. The flesh tempts the believer toward sinful behavior. That's why we call this the mixed condition. Hebrews 12, 12, 1 and 2 tells us that we are easily entangled in sin. And so there is a battle, there is a fight within as we grow in our conviction of sin. And a part of that battle then will be seen in ongoing repentance. And you see that next on the chart. 1 John 1, 8 and 9 tells us, If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A believer is marked by turning away from sin and turning to God agreeing with God about the sin he continues to help them see in their lives. And then as we see that sin, as he shows us that sin, we turn away from it. And this mixed condition is also characterized by ongoing faith. Galatians 2.20 tells us I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and delivered himself for me. The regenerate man has the privilege of Christ indwelling him and empowering him and helping him to live by faith. And then finally we see that the believer in this mixed condition is characterized by progress. In Christ's likeness, and I want you to turn with me to Second Corinthians three eighteen, and we're going to see um, that how that is true. Second <clears throat> Corinthians three eighteen, Paul says, "But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed." into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So let's go ahead and break that down. Who is he addressing here? We all, all believers. And what is distinctive about believers? We all have unveiled faces. The veil of unbelief has been removed from us at conversion. And what is being done to believers? You see it there? We're being transformed. And how are we being transformed? By beholding the glory of the Lord. That's our part. We behold the gospel, which reflects, as a mirror reflects, the glory of the Lord. And so who is doing the transforming? Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one who transforms us into the image of Jesus. We are progressing in Christ's likeness as we behold his glory and as the Holy Spirit works in us. Now look at Second Corinthians 4.16. It says, therefore we do not lose heart. Though the outer man is decaying, yet the inner man is being renewed day by day. So God is, in, is at work in us to renew us, to grow us, and to conform us into the image of Jesus. He is committed to that work from the day that he saves us until the day that we will be with him in glory. And now the next reference that um, I'm going to talk about is not on your chart, but you might want to write this in on your worksheet. And it's Romans 8, 29. It's a verse that um, many of us are familiar with. It says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. So all that God did in the event of regeneration has such a powerful, ongoing impact in the life of the believer that they will change. They will grow. It will become more and more like Christ. Just as you see at the top of this section, that figure is changing from more gray to yellow as he is growing in holiness, as he's being conformed into the image of Jesus. So that is what characterizes the believer all of the realities and benefits of the gospel our identity in Christ, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, good works, obedience, repentance, faith, growing in, in Christ-likeness, as well as the sobering reality that we are prone to sin. We are weak because we are in a mixed Condition, And so because of that, when we recognize that this is a mixed condition, what does that require of us? We are in Christ and we never want to forget that. But we also must not forget that we still live in sinful flesh. We are still capable of great sin and great error. And so because of that... The mixed condition of the regenerate man requires God's relentless transformation of the believer as well as our own diligent pursuit of holiness. And you see those on the chart. I love how Philippians two twelve and 13 puts this together. It says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, But now much more in my absence, work out your salvation in fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work, for his good pleasure. See, the whole reason we even can pursue holiness is because God is at work in us. And that's what we must have in this mixed condition, right? We must have God's relentless work to transform us into the image of his Son. And because he is at work in us, to will and to work for his good pleasure, we must pursue holiness. Turn with me to 2 Peter 1, 5-8. 2 Peter 1, 5-8. Peter writes, for this very reason... Okay, now when you read something like that, automatically we need to stop, right? And find out what's the reason? What is he referring back to? He's referring back to verse 5. So for this... um, I'm sorry, he's referring back to verse 3. That is, divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us. Therefore, and now we can go back to verse 5, or for this very reason, apply all diligence. Okay, it's very clear here that we're not just spectators in this in this uh, state, is it? There's a command here, we must be diligent. So on the basis of God giving us everything that we need, we are to put on or we are to supply moral excellence. And in our moral excellence, we are to supply knowledge. And in our knowledge, again, you could put that word in each time you read that supply self control. And in our self control, perseverance. And in our perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly love. And in your brotherly love, in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To so such an abundance of divine grace calls for total dedication. That's what is meant by applying all diligence. The Christian life is not lived to the honor of God without diligent effort without diligent pursuit of holiness and then the mixed condition of the regenerate man also requires the believer's wariness about indwelling sin the person without Christ the unregenerate man that person is not concerned about indwelling sin okay they're not concerned with their offense to God. And no one in the unmixed glorified condition, the one to the very right of the chart, will be concerned about an indwelling sin, right? Because there won't be any sin in that condition. Indwelling sin will be gone. But for the believer in our mixed condition, we can be and we must be wary. We must be very cautious and alert to indwelling sin. And then finally, the mixed condition of the regenerate man requires the believer's serious perseverance. Jesus said in Matthew 24:13, "The one who endures to the end will be saved." This mixed condition requires that we endure that we persevere in faith and in holiness to the end. Now, we know that Jesus will lose none whom the Father has given to him. But one of his means for accomplishing that is to exhort us to hold fast to the faith, to persevere. And by God's grace, the true believer will persevere in the faith. So now let's look at the key descriptions of this new condition. We've seen that this is a mixed condition in which we are able not to sin. Before, we didn't even have that ability. Now, because of what God accomplished in regeneration, we not only have the ability not to sin, but we also now are able to please God. Now we have the ability to walk in a manner that is pleasing to God, to grow in our love for him and our devotion to him. And then the next thing we see is that there is a fight within in which we fight against sin. Now we can still get entangled by sin, right? But being entangled in sin is not the same thing as being enslaved to sin. We can get entangled, and we do, but we can be set free from entanglement. And we also fight for Jesus to grow in our love for him and our obedience to him. We fight for Christ to be displayed in our lives. And then the next key description is that this new creation is now enslaved to God. What used to be our master? What what do we used to be enslaved to? Sin, right. But now we are enslaved to God. He is our new master. We are slaves of righteousness and obedience. And yet... Again, we're reminded of our mixed condition as we look at the next key description. Residual sin and regeneration, both are all evident in all of our faculties, in our our thoughts, our emotions, our motives, and our actions. Again, in the unregenerate man, the key description is that sin ruled who we were. Now, as those who are regenerate, our mixed condition is evident in all of our faculties. Every part of the believer's life shows evidence of the gospel's work. And every part of us shows evidence that there is still residue of our sinful flesh. That means that there is going to be much conflict within us But the good news is, and this is the next key description, that we now are able to shepherd our heart away from sin and to God. And we must. And how are we able to do that? Through God's word. Because we live in a mixed condition, we see that our hearts are in desperate need for God's help to fight us, to help us fight against sin. And so we bring our hearts to his word to grow in our knowledge of him, which results in our trusting him and grows us in our affections for him. He has provided us with his word out of his love and his care for us to guide our hearts to him and away from sin. And then our final key description is that we are no longer under God's wrath or judgment. Again, this is in contrast under the unregenerate man. Unregenerate man we saw is under God's wrath and judgment. But Romans 5, nine tells us Because we have been justified by his blood, we are saved from the wrath of God. We will never experience God's wrath as believers. We will never experience his wrath. Why? Because his wrath was satisfied by a substitute in our place. Jesus bought us with his blood and he made us righteous does that just make you stop excuse me and take in and be amazed by the grace that God has given to us are you overwhelmed by, by such undeserved kindness I know I am And yet, because we are in a mixed condition, sometimes we might ask ourselves, why? Why is this condition so mixed? We are loved so lavishly in the gospel. We are so completely transformed that no part of the unregenerate man remains. The old man is gone. And yet... We are weak. We are so prone to sin. We are so prone to wander. Why? Why didn't God just save us from the unregenerate condition and take us right to heaven? Wouldn't that have been nice? Well, God tells us why. So let's look. I want you to um, open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 4. We're going to look at verses 6 and 7. And again, this is not in the chart, so you might want to write this down on your worksheet. Okay, it says, For God who said, Light shall shine out of darkness. What's he he talking about there? What's he referring to? When did God say that? Creation, Creation, right. Genesis 1. He's saying the Creator is the one who has shone in our hearts. Why? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. He has shown into our hearts so that we would understand the glory of God in the face of Christ. He's talking about the gospel. That's regeneration. And now, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. See, we are weak earthen vessels with this great treasure inside God's power that is the mixed condition before we were just weak earthen vessels with no power but now we are earthen vessels with God's power through the gospel at work in us and why did God do it this way let's continue in verse 7 We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. See, God designed it this way to to display the, the surpassing greatness of his power. God, in his holiness, in his glory, determined that in saving us, that he would put us in this mixed condition where we still sin so that we will draw near to him and depend on him. And as we battle sin and we repent when we do sin, his power is seen in a way that it never would have been had he saved us straight into glory. See, the fact that we are fighting against sin shows us daily how badly we need Jesus. And that's so much better than when we didn't even see that we needed him at all. And we didn't even want to fight against sin. Isn't that helpful to understand? In the midst of battling sin, we can actually be encouraged that we are battling it. And God is using that battle to make us more like his son. The fight is evidence of new life. Again, remember, before Christ, there was no battle. So why did God put us in a condition that needs to be renewed? Because it gives him the opportunity to display the surpassing greatness of his power as we battle sin. The fight, the process, the waiting gives us an opportunity to bring glory to him. And a part of what motivates us to battle sin so that the the greatness of his power is displayed in us as we participate in this sanctification process, is knowing what is to come. And so now we get to look at that last panel on our chart, the heavenly man. We will one day live in another kind of unmixed condition when we die or when we are raptured. So on the right side of the chart there, you'll see the blue section that says heavenly man. The heavenly man is in an unmixed, sinless condition. He has been made righteous. You see that in the blue header there? Growth in holiness is complete. And then at the bottom, you see three gray gray triangles labeled death, rapture, and resurrection with descriptions underneath. And again, these descriptions are explaining the great event triangles at the top of the chart. And then under the description, go back to the bottom, under the description of death, you can see that death for the believer is departing from the land of the dying and going home to be with the Lord. We will be unseparated from Jesus that sink in unseparated from jesus so obviously for the believer that is gain and then moving to the right we have the rapture if we're living when christ returns we get to skip death christ will come and he'll catch up believers in the air to be with him and our bodies will be instantly transformed into glorified bodies Our inner man will be completely righteous. And then you see the resurrection. That's for those who have died. When Christ returns, the dead in Christ will receive new physical glorified bodies. And those bodies will be reunited with their completely sanctified inner man. In 1 Corinthians fifteen, forty-two through fifty-eight, if you have some time this week, I'd really encourage you to read over that because it describes the new resurrected bodies. These weak, perishable bodies that we have now will be gone. In their place, we will have imperishable, glorious bodies that never die, that never sin. They will be perfectly suited for praising and serving God forever. And so we see that the heavenly man is at home with the Lord. We will resemble Jesus. We're going to resemble Jesus. I want to look at that a little closer. So turn with me to 1 John 3.2. It says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. Isn't that an amazing thought? We will see Jesus, and we will experience ultimate conformity into his likeness what a hope we have and understanding something about our hope our future hope Christ coming again and raising us from the dead and giving us glorified bodies that are suited to praise him and serve him forever helps us think rightly about our pursuit of holiness now Look back at 1 John 3, and now let's look at verse 3. It says, Everyone who has this hope fixed on him, what? Purifies himself just as he is pure. We're going to see Christ face to face. We're going to be like him. And so, what does this mean? Does it mean that we can be careless? think that it doesn't really matter how we live now because we're going to be like him when we see him, right? No, that's not what 1 John tells us. It says, he who has this hope purifies himself. It does matter. Now, why would we do that? Why would we purify ourselves and prepare to meet Jesus? We could look at it this way. Why does a bride prepare for her wedding? Is it to earn her groom's affections? No, of course not. A bride prepares for her wedding because of the love that she and her groom already share. And because of that love, she anticipates that day when she will enter into a whole new season of relationship with him. Similarly, our obedience doesn't earn God's righteous, earn righteous standing with God. It doesn't earn forgiveness. Okay, we know that any attempt for our, of our own righteousness before God will only offend him. Rather, by God's grace, by the power of the Holy Spirit, a believer wants to purify herself. She labors to purify herself because of what Christ has already done in saving her. And because of our hope, because of our future relationship, knowing that we will be with Jesus forever, we want to be ready, just like a bride wants to be ready for her groom. So let's look at what else we have to look forward to. We will be blameless and Full of joy there will be no death and no sadness there will be no curse or night revelation 322 says there shall no longer be any curse right now what are we living under we're living under the curse aren't we but then there will no longer be any curse God will never have to judge sin again because sin won't exist. Huh. Does that just make you look forward to being with him? Now let's look at the key descriptions of this new condition. We will once again live in an unmixed condition. This is an unmixed condition of the best kind. It will not be mixed with perishable or corruptible qualities. It will be an unmixed life with no trace of death, no trace of sin. It is an absolutely glorious, unmixed condition. We will be unable to sin. Think about that. Unable to sin. We will be unable to displease God. Again, can you imagine? Does that make you so thankful for the gospel? There will be no fight within. Why? We're not going to need it. There will be no need for us to fight because sin will be gone. We will be perfectly enslaved to God. We will only delight in the privilege of serving him continually for eternity. We'll have perfect righteousness in all our faculties. Again, think, our thoughts, our emotions, our motives, our actions will only be pure. The exact opposite is of what we saw in the unregenerate man. And it will not be like now. We fight for those things, right? Someday, that's just going to be our reality. There will be no more need to shepherd our hearts away from sin and to God. We won't even be tempted to sin. Again, Does that just make you go, I want to go now? We're going to be enveloped in God's joy. Right now, sometimes I have to fight for God's joy. I need to remind myself of the things that are true so that I experience that joy. Someday we won't have to fight for it. We are going to be enveloped by that joy because we're going to be with him. So again, let me ask you, what does your heart do when you hear this? When you hear all of these glorification realities, see, God's word often talks about glorification. It points us to glorification. To strengthen our perseverance in trials, our perseverance in temptation. Preaching these truths to ourselves relaxes our grip on this world, doesn't it? It helps us to marvel at the great salvation work that God has done in us, the great salvation that he has purchased for us. And it helps us to see how much greater, how much bigger our salvation is than what we can see right now. So if this isn't your practice to rehearse these truths to your own heart when you remember the gospel, may I encourage you to invest some time to learn and to think about them. As you do, you will grow to treasure these wonderful promises, and they will become part of shepherding your own heart. Now, how can a person have this kind of hope how could we ever move out of what we saw over in that, over on the left in that unregenerate man column and have all of this to look forward to? It's only because of the gospel. It's all because of the gospel. And so with our eyes fixed on the hope that is to come, as we now live as, unre- me, as regenerate women in this mixed condition, we acknowledge our fight within, our battle within, as we fight for obedience. And how do we do that? Discipline number one. We prayerfully shepherd our hearts toward God through the word of God and in particular, the gospel. We come to God with his word open before us and pray, God, I need you desperately. I have your word open before me so that I can draw near to you. Lord, I understand how much I need you because I understand this mixed condition in which I live. See, this is how we prepare ourselves for walking with Christ, finding our joy in him and growing in our obedience to him. We do this because we are weak. See, sin makes our heart grow cold. It makes us become indifferent to Jesus. If we do nothing, And so, we fight. We fight to shepherd our hearts every day. We get up and we we remind ourselves of what we once were and that Christ is coming again to get us. And we remind ourselves that we need to be renewed that we need God's relentless transforming work in our lives. And we pray, God, make my heart warm toward you. See, we understand that we don't need to feed sin for it to grow. Right? We don't need to feed sin for it to grow. That's why we start with Discipline One, prayerfully shepherding our hearts to the Word of God so that we get the God of the Word. And that is what we will be equipping and encouraging one another to do all year long and for the rest of our lives. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you that when we were dead in our sins, when we were without hope, that you rescued us from the domain of darkness and you transferred us into the kingdom of your beloved Son, in whom we have forgiveness of sins. And that you, in your perfect plan, have placed us in this mixed condition so that we depend on you, so that we learn to fight against sin, so that you can display the surpassing greatness of your power. Father, thank you that one day we will be with you. We will be perfectly suited for praising and serving you forever. Oh Father, we long for that day. But until then, I pray that we will be faithful to participate in our sanctification. That we would be diligent to shepherd our hearts with your word and recognize all that you have provided for us in the gospel. You have given us everything we need. And so, Father, I pray that we would be faithful with hearts full of gratitude and with one eye fixed on you, on your coming, that it would motivate us to live now for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name.